Welcome to the Good Life EDU podcast presented by the Nebraska ESU Coordinating Council. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the latest in digital learning across Nebraska and around the country. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back for another episode of the Good Life EDU podcast. And today, I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to catch up with, I would say, a good friend of mine, Michael Matero, who I have had the chance to have him beat me at board games in Nebraska uh, at one point in time when Team Wisconsin took out Team Nebraska <laughs> on one of Michael's visits. And that is just indicative of Michael's love for games, games and education, and all things engagement, which is part of the reason we've asked him to be here on the pod today is to share some of those ways in which his love for games is influenced, how he sees education, and so we can learn a little bit more about his efforts, uh, which on Miam and E equals MC squared, which we're, I'm sure we'll get into here in a minute. But after that long introduction, Michael, welcome to The Good Life. <laughs> Thank you so much. It is always fun to connect. We were talking pre-show a little bit, and it's great to catch up with you. I believe that game, I believe I was there on my birthday. You were. We got to go to, I'll give a plug for Spielbound Board Game Cafe in downtown Omaha. If anybody's in town, check it out. Love that. And this is an audio podcast, but you can't even see Michael's got some games on the shelf in the background right I now. This guy, I mean, good luck. They're everywhere. Him, He's good. So uh, Michael, for uh, those that don't know you, can you give us a little bit of an introduction? Yeah. So I am a history teacher. I teach sixth grade world history. Been doing that for 15 years. Can't believe it. And I wrote my first book probably about six years ago, Explore Like a Pirate. It's all about laying your course out like a game, kind of what can we get from a game and laying your course or lessons, sort of game-inspired course design is the, is the tagline on that one. And absolutely love it. I, that's just the way I teach now. That's the way I think, whether it's big, whole hog, like the whole year kind of gamification, or even just trying to make like a single lesson a little more engaging by stepping out of your real world a little bit and into something a little different. We're going to pretend we're this, or we're going to pretend we're that and what that structure can look like. So fun. Then kind of what I've done professionally from there, I'm the creator of the Hive Summit, which is a free conference, like a global free conference in education. Absolutely love that. And most recently, John Meehan and I co-authored a book, Fully Engaged, which is a great book that's research-backed engagement and like why we need to sort of shift towards a more engagement, student-focused classroom. And with that, we then came together. We realized that teachers need so much more than just a book. <laughs> and so when we were writing the book and we were like, oh, we could do this, we could do that, we kind of landed on this idea, like teachers need an ongoing coach, if you will. And that's kind of the model we we built out at EMC2 Learning, where that website, that space and place is for individual teachers to sort of come, get resources, get activities, also whole districts to even come and sort of move the needle on professional development in their district and, and change the culture around education that we can really inspire students to go above and beyond, like remove that glass ceiling for both the student and the teacher. Uh, and Michael, you are one of the most creative people that I know, especially in the area of lesson design and also quite the accomplished creator of, <laughs> I feel like in terms of just the materials, whether that be through that professional development lens or things that I know that you've uh, made for your class. And so 
I think the listeners benefit. What I'd like to do is maybe frame this as let's talk a little bit engagement. And then I'd like to have you expound upon in the back half of this episode, that PD piece that you were just talking about in the heart that you have for thinking differently about that work. And so uh, to begin with, when we talk about student engagement, what does that mean to you? Uh, I, I find that sometimes a really tough thing to nail down to a definition or to be able to identify, yes, that's it. Everyone has thumbs up when I ask the question. Like, I, I think it's much deeper than that. And I know you do as well. So giving you a little space to uh, frame our understanding. That. Yeah, let's explore like pirates. Or something. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Uh, so good question on student engagement and what that means, because it does take all manners. I think sometimes student engagement can be perceived as like kids are laughing and enjoying and, you know, like anybody walks by and it is just fun and there's smiles, everybody. They're in the peak of the roller coaster moment, right? Hands up and loving it. And that doesn't have to mean, that doesn't have to be the only aspect of a student engaged environment, right? Engagement comes on all levels. Engagement, right? Belonging leads to becoming, so creating a space in which kids feel excited to be there, but also comfortable to be there, that they know they're going to be heard and valued is super important. What I love when we start to look at game research and, and gamer psychology, it maps so well onto what we're talking about in education. The foundation of a game is based on what's called uh, psychological safety, like a player has to feel welcome and choose that adventure, right? So then you think about our school and our classes and, and what's happening in, in America and, and initiatives across districts. Social emotional learning is so huge right now. And well, I shouldn't even say right now, it always has been and should have been, but that has definitely been more the focus lately. And when I think about a game, it does that, right? And an engaged student is one that feels welcome. They feel heard. They they want to contribute, right? Uh, but an engaged student can also be one that's in, we talk a lot about the state of flow. And this idea of the flow state can actually mean like super zoned in, right? It, it might not be smiles and hands up and thumbs up and high fives. Like an engaged student might be just an ultra on task because they their level of care has just exponentially grown because of the context in which you've set it in terms of some of the strategies you've employed that move them along. Like one that John and I talk about is called the progression mechanic. Games do this a lot. Maybe you've even seen it on some websites where they're like, oh, you've only filled out so much of your portfolio and like you're 80% done on like your portfolio. That's a tiny example of it. But there is a ton of research around the progression mechanic and how that actually is more engaging if you can feel the movement. If you're if you're like, oh, I did this and now I can and now I get to unlock this, right? These are all sorts of things that can make it way more engaging. And there's just a greater level of care, a greater level of enthusiasm, but that can be internal enthusiasm. And this is what I love. Gamification can also produce, I think, a much higher level of intrinsic motivation because while some people say right if you only know gamification from the shallowest perspective you can reduce it to like you're giving out badges right couldn't be farther from the truth true built gamification true built on these strategies you are actually increasing intrinsic motivation because the student is now starting to see the strengths they're gaining 
and that they want to gain more. And you're creating a risk-rich environment in which they're excited to explore even their weaknesses in a gamified class because they see it as the area and space and place they can actually grow in some respects the fastest, right? It's easier to take a 20% and turn it into a 75% than it is to take an 85% and turn it into a 92%, right? And so they start to see like, ooh, I can really like lift this spot up. And then once you get them in there, like I'm talking like a mile a minute and I apologize, but I get super jazzed. Once you start to like have kids start to see that improving the weakness strengthens the overall portfolio of themselves, they then start to see like, I can leverage that new, hey, I just learned how to use Canva. I can also use that over here. Like I'm, I'm doing a Spanish presentation. I could probably make, yeah, you could. Right. And you, they start to like see that that necessity starts to come full circle for them. And they are these classes start to fade in the back because they're engaged. Right. It's it's the whole student. Yeah. And I don't know if this is just because I had the good fortune to spend today around a bunch of high school teachers, but I can't help but take what you just talked about student engagement and think about how that applies to professional learning uh, and adults whether it be in some other workplace or or as educators in our profession. So yeah, in your efforts, whether it be through the Hive Summit or with MC2, that you are applying lessons learned from the classroom to that professional learning PD realm. Uh, for certain, right? Because part of what John and I do, so I would say the backbone of EMC2 learning, for those of you that don't know, I would say our core tenants is we're trying to shift teachers and teaching to being more student-centered, feedback-based engagement strategies, right? So these three tenants, and we kind of wrap them all around this idea of Blooms. Blooms is another piece that we just think as a company, we want to make sure we're always moving up. We want to get out of just that recall, that base recall. Important to have it. Like you have to have some content to use and play with, but it really is about moving up that. And we think with student-centered, feedback-focused engagement strategies, get us up there as fast as possible and sustain us up there as long as possible. And with this said, you ask, has like, we've taken lessons from the classroom, things that have been effective there. Has that also been then effective working with adults? Man, what a solid question. And for sure, the answer is, right, any good teacher is going to sort of cross-pollinate ideas all over the place. Any innovator is going to see those connections and, and, and do it. But I think the answer here is twofold. Like one thing I learned over this time is the word pedagogy is literally like the teaching of children. It's like the skill. I mean, that's what ped, ped like children, like how children learn. You're teaching children. The thing I learned is they made that word. The Greeks made that word because there is a way to teach kids. And then there is a different way to teach adults. Adults need what are called andragogy. And it's this idea of an adult. They're almost more constructivist. They need to see it, feel it, touch it, talk about it. They need all aspects of it. They can't just hear it. They can't just do it, right? Like we need to kind of almost click through the entire experience for them. And seeing in the classroom how there are different learners, like 
I all of a sudden, when I heard this about andragogy versus pedagogy, it was like, oh my gosh, like you're right. Like we have to approach teaching teachers differently than we teach students. But at the same time, aspects of my students are represented in that room of teachers. So realizing there's the person that's like bored out of their mind if you just lecture to them the entire time. We want to make sure that there are opportunities for them to engage and touch and feel. There are people that are more the socializers and they really have to kind of discuss and have like be collaboratively decisive. Well, if you're a person that needs that, then you need that space and place to talk and, you know, turn to your neighbor and chat, right? So building all of these things into our workshops, building all these things into our PD, even on some level, some keynotes, which is a little harder on a keynote to sort of build in some of those things, but I think we try on all levels for that. And then ultimately, kind of the, the big switch here on EMC2, trying to get principals or superintendents, when we're talking with them about bringing us in, we are truly honored and blessed to work with any teacher any amount of time. But trying to advocate for journeying with the teacher over the year is what we're really trying to get principals and superintendents or anybody to sort of realize the value of just in time learning, right? This idea that our platform is on 24 seven, a teacher can hear us. We can come out, we can do, we can establish those relationships that are so powerful and can be tremendous starters of, uh, you know, you could be definitely igniting some awesome flames there, but I think, keeping the kerosene lamp on with the website and having access to skill builder courses, having access to hundreds and hundreds of resources that automatically use the research-based strategies and having you be able to do that on your prep period, having you be able to do that after school while you're waiting for your kid who's doing basketball or for you to be able to do that at 8.30 at night when your kids are in the bed and like you're trying to build that neat lesson for next unit, next week, tomorrow. I think that's where the districts we're working with and the schools we're working with and the individual teachers we're working with, we hear this excitement because just like I said about the student that can go from 20% to 75% pretty quick, a classroom that hasn't or wasn't student-centered with feedback-focused and engagement strategies for those of you that are walking in the door for the first time, there are so many great little ways you can take steps towards that. And to hear principals get excited that like, oh my gosh, my staff is actually changing. To hear the staff say, my students are actually changing, right? Like this is a win-win-win for everybody. That just, I don't know, that excites me and definitely pulling ideas from the classroom uh, as a classroom teacher who's still in there doing it on the daily kind of having the pulse on what's needed. That's how I like to learn. I mean, I know when I sit down to build a lesson, first thing I do is go to Google, right? Like I don't wait for the next in-service. Gosh, so many of those points land with me. I, I think of a recent podcast that we recorded with Dana Thomas. So if you haven't listened to that one, you should check it out. She is the leader of the Happy Teacher Revolution uh, and was advocating for educator autonomy uh, and that that being one of the pillars for um, our teachers and also school leaders to enjoy their job. And we're talking about retention and recruitment. 
yeah, having that autonomy piece to be able to take strategies and implement what makes sense, where it makes sense, when it makes sense. And according to where you are in the development of yourself as a classroom practitioner, I think is really important. <laughs> and so love it for that. I would also take a quick second to say too, that I know in our state, the NDEC team has been working on the teacher and principal standards. And one of the ways in which they think about professional development over time is to sort of put it this um, over duration uh, and with the right support and development, which they will be the first to tell you are two different words. And I, I, that's a conversation for a previous pod and hopefully a future one, but they advocate for that first exposure to new ideas. It brings about awareness and then it gets into a understanding maybe by the end of that time, but it might take a revisit. And so Michael, as you're talking about that there, that showing up once, uh, showing up a second time, delivering a message doesn't always lead to systemic change. And their model, as they've been advocating for it in Nebraska, has been to say, you know what, then you have to go to that step of implementation and iteration. And then that over time leads to transformation and systemic change happens when that grassroots movement follows that pattern. And what you're providing here, I guess, to sort of tie your conversation to work that uh, people in our state might be familiar with would be to say, hey, sure. when it gets to that point of implementation, iteration, you're going to have questions and you're going to have things that you need support on while your kids at soccer practice or wherever it is. And to have those things on demand uh, until they have the opportunity to reach out to you as a coach uh, or to have you come back again to support that thinking uh, is a really important piece. And I, I love the vision that your uh, company has in trying to support teachers in that way. Yeah, I have absolutely loved it. You mentioned there the coaching. We do these individual coaching and group coaching sessions, and it's so awesome. I think what has been some of the most impactful things in my career have been the conversations with fellow teachers, right? And so creating a space of, it's a little bit like an ed camp, right? You know, for those of you that have gone to an ed camp, when you don't have to be there, like you've chosen to come on a Saturday to this space and place, or if you've gone to a Twitter chat, right? Like you've chosen to go there. Typically like the people that are there are so invested in that, that they're, they're not there to know what they'll get. They're there for what they will become. And I think that that little shift is huge. And so the coaching sessions that are there on EMC two you're with these other educators that are reaching for the stars. And I think it's a fantastic conversation that you get to be a part of and in. And like I said, those have been the things that have been the most impactful, but conversations like you and I had, you know, over a drink or at a conference, you know, in the hallway, like sometimes that's just for anybody that's been to ISTE, you know what I'm talking about. Like <laughs> the hallway, the hallway sometimes can be the greatest PD and that's one of the like pinnacle conferences. And I still think the hallway conversation is some of the best. I couldn't agree more with that. Uh, whether it's, as we were talking about before we started recording today, old school Twitter, back when <laughs> things were, back in the day. Uh, yeah, when it was just a, a much more centered on idea sharing. And it was very reflective of what ISTE can be. And, and so, yeah, I'm really grateful for, for all of those. I, you know, at this point, it makes me wonder too, do you have an example of working with a teacher or a district that really just spoke to you as to the power of this type of structure and approach? Uh, I mean, I'm sure that there are a lot, but what, is there one that comes to mind that 
would be an example. If you're, if people are like, we're kind of talking about engagement and we're talking about professional development, professional learning, but, but to maybe like take that down to an example. Yeah. So kind of a granular example here. One of the districts we're working with, it was just their high school that sort of bought in. And I'll be honest, it was really like one department that really wanted us. But again, the way our platform works, we were like, well, you're going to just buy for the high school. I'm like, all right, we'll buy for the whole high school. And we had different meetings with them, like different PD days where we taught them different things, a lot of it virtual. And then we did a showcase at the end of the year where John and I kind of hosted. And it was really like able to have almost open mic for some of these people that have come and we didn't know who was going to show up. Right. And uh, wasn't required. The district didn't require it or anything like that. And we had almost hundred percent attendance, but the thing that I thought was crazy, the, the granular story I'm going to tell you, a woman that we didn't know was really like using it. We heard, we, up to this point, we heard a lot of teachers that had come a bunch, you know, you're like, Oh, it's good to see you again, Andrew, you know, like how's, and I would know, cause like I seen you the last time. So you're like, Oh, how did that project go? How did this activity go? And then this one woman kind of like raised her hand says like, Oh, can I share? I'm a French teacher. And I used your, we have a comic book creator and it's this neat like thing that they can really truly like tweak and edit down to like perfection. It's so awesome. Super big, so many options. And she's saying like, we did it and my kids loved it and blah, blah, blah. In camera flies in, like almost pushes the mother out of the way is her junior student uh, slash child who's in her French class and pretty much takes over the mic and is, is talking about her and her experience using some of the EMC two things, not just that comic book creator and saying how like French class went from kind of a, to like, I can't wait to get there to them working on French in other classes. They were like tweaking this French comic book in the next class in the next class. Right. And just how transformative and to see this student, literally want to tell the story, literally wanting to push the mother out of the way and and excited to talk to a room full of educators that like, get this, do this now. Like that was truly inspiring to hear like straight from the student's mouth, uh, a class kind of flip in terms of that engagement flip in terms of that interest. And from a teacher too, that I didn't know was heavily invested at all. You know, like that wasn't, she wasn't really on my radar. And so this is this again speaks to that kind of doing it a little differently. Like I, I think a lot of times, I, I don't know, at our at my school, we're talking a lot about inclusion and, and making sure everybody belongs and a sense of belonging. And I think that's so important. But then with that said, then let's let's buy PD at scale. Let's work with places like yours, right? That puts on PD at mass, at scale, right? So that you're not trying to do PD just for the math department. Like let's find good PD that works for the district. That's for everybody. Uh, especially as we have the turnover we have in education right now, like we have to reconcile this idea that we have a bunch of new teachers and no shade on new teachers. We were all new teachers at one point and we all actually hope you stay in education forever. But for that to be true, like I think we need a little less myopic PD and we have to do something that's a little more beneficial for every subject, every grade level. And that, I think, to toot our own horn, I think that's like another calling card that we were trying to do is 
this isn't a math curriculum. This isn't like great for the English class. This is great for students. This is great for teachers. And that's where it's that win-win. And I think when you have that synergistic win, you have that sustainability, which creates the change you're talking about. Gosh, Michael, you really hit upon something there too, that I, I think back to my first year's teaching and it was, it was some of the teachers who were in their last three or four years uh, in the profession about to retire uh, that were so instructive to me, uh, formative, right? Like in my development, I guess, is how I would support it. And I've had thoughts that over the last you know, two or three years with baby boomer generation retiring, we've had so many people uh, get to that point uh, and they've left. Uh, and I think that you know, health conditions being what they were for some time, there weren't as many conversations, let's say in the hallway at ISTE or <laughs> around the water cooler yeah. to kind of just talk about that, like proverbially. And, and I think that there, it's possible that there has not been uh, nearly as much of that type of professional learning, particularly for those that have come into the profession in the last one, two, three years, that this type of experience that can be ongoing and on demand, especially for uh, Gen Z teachers uh, is a great way uh, to onboard them and help them to fall in love with the profession that folks like ourselves who have been in it longer than that, <laughs> we'll say. Uh, we'll just say that. Yeah, right. Um, that, that hopefully we can help usher them into that with those kinds of supports. Uh, and, and I think that the work that you all are doing certainly has a place in that as well. Yeah, well, thank you for that. Uh, it's a pleasure to work with my students. It's a pleasure to work with other teachers and getting getting them excited to be back in the classroom. I think like kind of a generic story to tell. My favorite is when teachers kind of, when you get that story, that teacher was like, I was burned out. I was going to leave. And your work kind of got that zeal back in me. And that zeal back in me got the zeal a little bit back in my students and like, one hand washes the other, right? Just as much as you can have a downward spiral of negativity, you can have an upward cone of positivity. And I think that truly is the thing that I will probably always remember for me, like over the years, is that kind of change, that kind of impact. And I'm grateful that I've had the opportunity and I'm grateful that I've gotten to be on a podcast like this and connect with others through your network. Um, it is an awesome profession. And so it's it's worth dedicating your life to. If you can make it work, it's cool. You're literally touching the future. And I think that that's pretty cool. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And I um, say it every week that 30 minutes goes really quick. Uh, and so we have uh, reached uh, that time for us today. And uh, I will say that, you know, the TLT affiliate of our ESU PDO here in Nebraska has reached out and there are some conversations with not only Michael, uh, but also John with uh, the hopes of being able to learn from the two of you in person at some point in the upcoming school year, uh, already looking that far ahead. And uh, we're excited about that and excited to potentially get a chance to learn from those resources and to share that out statewide, as you uh, noted earlier. And so I'll just yeah reiterate what I hope that I've captured over the course of our conversation today is that, Michael, I just appreciate your authentic fervor for getting into these spaces and doing good work on behalf of teachers, kids, and learning. And uh, it's really great to catch up with you, my friend. I really am grateful for your time. Appreciate being on. And everybody, thank you for giving us a listen. If you want to check out emc2learning.com, we'd love to hear from you.
Yeah, thanks. You took my last piece there. I was going to say, absolutely. Yeah, point Bam. people to where they can find you, Michael. So that's great. And uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to have you back out to Nebraska and maybe back to Spielbound uh, at some I point. Hope, I hope so. <laughs> hope so. The rematch. Thank you.